Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, uh, I got a special treat for you today. I got uh, Orion. I know uh, I've had some requests for this book to read this on the show, and uh, I, you know, wanted to honor those requests, but things got crazy, and uh, it's almost a year later, so, you know, I hope you're uh, still listening. So, yeah, this is uh, this is for all you that wanted Orion. I'm going to go ahead and read the book. Of course, not all in one show. It's a long book, but it will be my next uh, next reading to go through uh you know if you if you hear orion and you're like i really just want to finish it i want to get to the end there is professional narration on audible and uh you can download it for free if you uh sign up for a for a uh one month free trial with them so you can actually hear it and uh quit your subscription if you end up not wanting to do audiobooks but i do recommend audiobooks i love them i like to listen to things in the car so you know it's always good to have stuff to listen to in the car when you're working out. Heck, you might be working out listening to me right now. Uh, though, I don't know if that's an exciting workout. Maybe I should, you know, just start playing some music for you. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Alright, so a little bit of closet clearing before uh, I go ahead and uh, start Orion here. Uh, the Robin Hood of Couches is, of course, out and available for everyone. It's on sale for a dollar this week, so... One buck for a book, can't beat that. Uh, it's going to not be on sale forever, so make sure you go and get the Robin Hood of Couches on Amazon. Uh, I'll go ahead and put in a link in the show notes, and uh, if you want to go ahead and support everything I do here, go ahead and put yourself on over to Patreon, patreon.com uh, forward slash Aaron Frail. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Aaron Frail. I'll put some links in the show notes for you. But uh, yeah, you know, support what I do. You know, I don't uh, publish too much, so you know, even a $2 donation goes a long way for me. Alright, well, with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to Orion. Life One. The story of the first time I died was rather unremarkable, though necessary to understand what happened. It was a gloomy, overcast day, and I was a Roman soldier. 
I waited on the front lines in anticipation of the vast horde of snarling barbarians in the distance. The air was damp and smelled of fresh rain, a horrid smell and combined with the bloodshed and bowel movements from the battle to come. My fellow soldiers were not much older than me. I could see the fear in their eyes. I tensed my face in the meanest expression I could. In hindsight, I probably looked just as afraid as the rest of them. Even though I had only seen seventeen winters, I was ready to prove myself in the art of war and win glory for the Roman Empire. It didn't matter that I could barely lift a sword or that my shoulders slouched from the weight of the armor. I was ready to die. However, I wasn't planning on dying. Before the armies assembled on the field, I had been the head stable boy and mucked for the finest steeds in all the land. I was proud to scrape horse poo. I was a lower class aqueduct worker's son who was now an essential part of the entourage of the great Aurelicus. I also took myself way too seriously back then. I was glad I got more than seventeen winters of life. I would have been an insufferable little snot otherwise. I shudder to think what drivel that version of myself would say if he had access to my Twitter account. But that sense of duty and honor I felt back then was precisely how Aurelicus suckered me into fighting on the front line in a battle where the Romans were almost guaranteed to lose. It had all started in his tent on the eve of war. The old coot beckoned me forward. Aurelicus was a crusty fellow with white Roman curls. His robes were the finest in all of Rome, woven with gold and crusted with jewels. Women who could have been his granddaughters surrounded him. Most of them were wearing next to nothing. They peeled his grapes, fanned him with a palm branch, and poured his wine. I felt intimidated at the time, because he had the presence of a god, and I was a lowly stable boy. He bellowed across the tent, Orion, come forth. Oh yeah, quick note, my name's Orion, or at least that's the name for my first life. I had other names after that, almost too many to count, but Orion was the one I liked the best. On with the story. I walked up to the raised platform where Aurelicus looked down on me with stern, hollow eyes. Master? I sputtered. Orion, the hour is late and I imagine you're wondering why I've called you from the stables, Aurelicus began. I didn't know what to say. I'd never been in a tent before, much less who heard two words directed at me from Aurelicus. My discomfort didn't seem to stop him. Orion, oh, my boy, we are living in grave times indeed. The barbarians are at the doorsteps of Rome, and tomorrow the might and glory of the Roman Empire will be tested. Uh, my liege, we will pass this test and defeat the barbarians. That is what Romans have always done. That is what we will always do, I said. Again, I took myself way too seriously back then. Relicus laughed. Ho ho, my boy. If only that simple. Do you know how I got all this? He gestured to the tent full of riches and women attending his every need. Uh, strength in combat and victory in battle, I said. That's part of it. The other pit is wits, boy. You can defeat ten men in battle, but it only takes one to outwit you. Remember that. Your wits are how you'll survive. He then bestowed upon me the rank of infantrymen and gave some speech about the glory of the Roman Empire. It brought a tear to my eye in my first life, but I skipped it for this retelling mainly because it makes me barf a little every time I hear it. How naive I was back then to think that the greatest general in the world would see me, the poop cleaner, as a warrior. In reality, he was padding the front line so his real warriors wouldn't die in the first wave. I didn't know what cannon fodder was back then. 
But there I was, excited to become first class fodder man infantry meat shield. At your service. Toothless man in shabby clothes took me away to get fitted for my armor and weapons. The armor was a joke. It was taken off the back of a dead infantryman, and the keyword being man. I was a teenager who was a little small for my age bracket. The armor made it feel like I was being crushed into the earth. The toothless man saw my dress and said, It gets easier the longer you wear it. It's a shame I only got to wear it for one day. After I was fitted for my armor, he brought me over to the weapons tent and shoved a sword into my hand. It was too heavy to lift, and it clunked on the ground. I tried to ask for a smaller one, but he was already shuffling me out the door, directing me towards the soldiers' tents. I dragged my sword through the mud, and I had to take several breaks to heave with exhaustion and throw up, until I finally made it to a group of soldiers sitting around fire. They were singing jaunty war songs, drinking and making merry. I attempted to insert myself around the fire, but they made sure to close any gaps in the seating arrangement. Dejected and alone, I dragged my sword to a tree that was overlooking a nearby creek. I shed my armor, splashed my face with water, and drank. Afterwards, I sat under a tree and looked up at the moonlight poking through the branches. Just before I drifted off to sleep, I had a vision of myself. I was an older man, concentrating very hard. My hair was cut short, but in this odd hairstyle for my Roman sensibilities. I can only describe it as a wave of black water that had crashed on the side of my head and lapped gently on my hair, as if the side of my face was a rocky outcropping. A woman stuck up behind me and kissed my cheek. She was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen. Her eyes were deep blue and sparkled like cracked crystal. Her hair was golden like the rays of the sun. It was her face that lulled me into a deep sense of relaxation. I was able to drift off into a deep, content slumber. The next day, I faced my immediate horrible death from a horde of snarling, angry barbarians. I was in the line of servant squires and stable boys who had been called to battle. Behind us were the real infantrymen. They were locked into a tortoiseshell configuration that, while only about half my units had shield, in fact, some of my guys only had shields, the army across the way were large men in hide furs with battle axes. They had painted themselves with blood and were screaming battle cries. The two armies faced each other at the confluence of the rivers Tiber and Alia, about 11 miles north of Rome. It was a scenic area and quite serene when the ground wasn't soaked with blood of fallen soldiers. When Aurelicus shouted to attack, I raced towards the horde. However, my armor and sword slowed me down and the blade dragging along behind me in the dirt. So what was a race for most was sort of a fast shuffle for me. My unit clashed with the barbarians a full 30 seconds before I made it to the battle. For a brief moment, I was in a weird spot where I got to watch the barbarians hack to shreds all the people who had been standing next to me seconds before. And behind me was this tight tortoise shell of shields and spears marching towards the broken line of barbarians. For maybe a second or two, I thought I could survive. Maybe my fellow Roman soldiers would open a hole large enough for me to fit through and I could hold a spear instead. My dreams were shattered when I saw an angry man with wild eyes break from the battle head and rush towards me. He gripped a double-bladed axe the size of a horse's ass above his head with one hand. The man was undoubtedly the inspiration for the titans from the Greek myths. His eyes bugged out as he charged and I lifted my sword with all my might. Then, just as he was on top of me by some miracle, I was able to raise my sword high and 
block the weapon swinging at my head. The sword deflected a blow to my right shoulder blade, where the axe cut through most of the muscle and bone. I collapsed to the ground in fear and pain and futilely tried to reattach my arm. It was a weird thing to do when dying. Like, if I could pop it back into place, all would be better, and I could go back to mucking. The barbarian didn't even slow down after he wounded me. He went right by and was presumably killed by the tortoiseshell infantry which passed overhead moments later. I remember being taken aback by their lack of regard for their fallen comrade. They trampled me, stepped on my face, chest, and even my arm stump. I spent the rest of the battle bleeding out from the wound. Eventually the pain receded as my body went numb. During that time I gazed at the clouds overhead. They were gorgeous wispy white puffs that made the sky look like a grand tapestry. It was a beautiful day. Strangely, I wasn't sad or angry I was dying. I felt proud to have given my life for the Roman Empire. I wept not tears of regret, but joy. I was such a sap back then. For most people, that would be it. Fade out, roll credits, this was your life. For me, it was the beginning of figuring out who or what I really was. And while I didn't think about my first life too much, there was one point that I should have understand sooner. Most people think when a soldier dies on the battlefield, honored to have sacrificed themselves for the country, that's it. They drift off into the netherworld. But the reality is that dying is a long, drawn-out, and painful process. When I finally came to terms with my death, it wasn't over. I bled, and then bled, and then bled some more. I must have been close to drowning in a pool of blood when I finally saw another human. At that point, I was delirious and drifting in and out of consciousness. I can no longer tell you that I was part of the Roman Empire or that I was proud to be dying for it. I was moments away from my final breath, which was labored and intense even though I was too numb to feel it. That's when another teenager, about my age, with a mop of dirty brown hair and a wiry smile, stood over my soon-to-be corpse. I didn't know his name at the time, so for the purposes of this narration, I'm going to call him Stabby, and for what he did next. He pulled out a long, thin dagger from his belt and looked me in the eye and said, Sorry, bro. He poked the dagger right through my eye socket into my skull, and then I was dead. The weird part was not that someone had come to kill me. That's a very typical post-battle job. Arguably worse than cannon fodder. Stabby had to poke into the skull of all the people who were writhing in pain to die at the end of the battle. Medical attention sucked back then. Literally, leeches were number one treatment for just about anything. So it was better just to kill all the wounded, at least the ones who were too injured to stand on their own. The weird part was that St Stabby had said, Sorry, bro. I didn't know what it was at the time, but bro wasn't exactly in the Roman dictionary. Strange final words to her person, who just gave his life for the glory of the Roman Empire. Alright, first chapter of Orion. Great. Hope you like it. There'll be more. Come back next week. And uh, have a good night. And while you're here, don't forget to go ahead and check out Real Paranormal Activity on Mondays, Me on Tuesdays, Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays, and then Mr. Patrick Sean Jones. Coming to you with a Sandman lullaby on Thursdays, and that's usually for most of them. We gotta take days off ourselves, you know, so uh, <laughs> we don't go on every day of the week, but that's the schedule. Sometimes a full week, sometimes not. Either way, there's some good stuff here for you. And then don't forget the movie productions uh, The Witching Hour, Full Dark, there's a new one. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Enjoy.